Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Shares for beginners. If you look at the US printing of dollars at the moment, it actually looks like an exponential crypto chart. <laughs> I think it's something close to 25% of US dollars were printed from 2020 onwards, and it's it's really rapid sort of growth. So that's going to create inflation, and people are going, well, you know, if my money is going to become worth less, and you know, we're going to be paying taxes to pay that off for a long period of time, how can I potentially move that into something that isn't inflating and that is going to store its value? And, and that really is what the original premise of Bitcoin was and as you know the markets continue to move we're seeing more and more of that. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. I've been avoiding talking about cryptocurrencies for most of this podcast series despite everyone wanting to know about them. It's difficult for me to find a way of explaining them without going down the rabbit holes of blockchain and distributed ledgers. But today I thought we could have a go with Nathan Halliday. G'day Nathan. G'day Phil. Nathan's an experienced general manager of sales and operation who is from an insurance background, but is now with Zipmix, a crypto exchange. Is that the best way of describing Zipmix? Yeah, that's in, in part what we are, yeah. Okay, so he's learning about the world of crypto as well. So well, hopefully our learning experience can be shared with you and we can talk about this in a reasonably intelligent manner. So according to the website, Zipmix seeks to educate, excite and enrich everyday people with new financial possibilities on its innovative, secure and fully regulated digital assets exchange. And we'll dig deep into that because regulation's becoming a big part, isn't it, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah Moulding all over the world regulation, it's a key part of how we see the industry moving forward. And that's the way the industry will move forward, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, mm -hmm. you know, regulation brings trust, um, brings security and, uh, you know, that'll drive the whole industry forward. Okay, so we're going to start because um, we have to talk about volatility before anything else, okay? So just a date stamp, we're recording on Tuesday, May 25th, and over the last week or so, we've seen um, major corrections in all of the cryptocurrencies, although overnight it's uh, sort of come back a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about volatility and um, how people should approach this with cryptos. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a volatile market, and I think you know that brings part of the excitement to the space. So uh, you know, we get some some amazing excitement. That's a nice way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we get some uh, you know some great returns, but obviously it's a very emotional market as well uh, as it is a young and emerging market. Uh, and what we see is is multiple corrections over the course of the lifespan of Bitcoin, particularly, but then all the other assets that sort of go with it. So yeah, it's definitely volatile. The experienced investors uh, are more astute at riding through the volatility, um, but for people that are new to the space, it can certainly be quite scary when you wake up and, and check your phone and you've dropped 20 or 30 percent overnight. Yeah, so I think for us, really, when we look at navigating volatility, it's how do you make sure that what you're doing is, you know, majority in the top tier tech products, in the top tier coins effectively, which are historically much better at riding through that volatility uh, and where the long-term value is still there. So, you know, there's definitely opportunities in alternate coins to make some, you know, quicker 
and more explosive returns, but they are also significantly more volatile. So uh, yeah, the best traders seem to have that strategy where they dollar cost average in, they keep working towards the top tiers and really, you know, some of the alternate coins uh, are kind of the play money and, and they like to have fun in that space and, um, you know, try and trade and, and play with the volatility. You've explained to me in the past, though, that um, some of those newer coins and some of those play coins, they're really just pump and dump operations, aren't they? Yeah, look, they can be. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, I think where we try to help educate people, which you spoke about, is around what are you actually investing in? Uh, and it's similar to the stocks, right? Every coin is different and understanding what you're investing in and what the team is behind it, you know, who the founders are, and ultimately what they're trying to achieve, we think is the best way to help navigate the space. And, you know, similar to, to share trading, which is where I actually started, you know, my investment journey, you know, I looked at, well, what is the company? Who's behind it? What are they trying to achieve? And that's, that's what I wanted to put my money towards, something that I could sort of believe in. If you look at that in the crypto space, very similar. Uh, there's a lot of great tech that's continuing to come out that's revolutionising the way industries work and operate. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, there's you know this plethora of coins that really have no inherent underlying value and can be just a lot of hype and can you know be all the memes and the Reddit forums and you know, similar to sort of what we saw with GameStop and the, the armies of people getting behind them. And they can have incredible returns. But at the same time, once they hit that peak, as fast as they went up, they come down quicker. <laughs> so, you know, great opportunities, as I said, to sort of use some of your play money and, and um, potentially speculate on that space. But I think, you know, most of what we see is the top tier people and people that have been in this game for a long time, they may play and dabble in that space, but whenever they make these returns, they keep bringing it back to those top tier coins, to your Bitcoins, to your Ethereums, to your Ripples and, and some of the other emerging ones. The exception to the norm is probably Doge, <laughs> which is, uh, you know. Which is an Aussie invention. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, it's an absolute phenomenon. It's quite interesting hearing the the founder of Doge, who lives on the central coast in, in New South Wales, who wants nothing to do with it, <laughs> right? And notoriously very quiet, come out recently and, and you, know, it's, you know, basically have a go at Elon Musk and what he's been doing in the space, you know. I think his view was if he'd held it, he'd be a trillionaire, but he'd also be the biggest hypocrite on earth and he didn't want any part of it. Wow. Doge is kind of the one that has really taken off despite not having any real underlying tech behind it other than just the blockchain. And it, it has survived the ups and downs, but Doge is probably more the exception to the norm and, and obviously has had some very big backers who've put a lot of money into it and have publicly supported it. Uh, and then, you know, the masses have sort of got behind it from there. So I'll be personally very interested to see how Doge rides out the most recent correction, as we say, versus potentially some of the bigger tier coins. But definitely they're now looking to create and turn it from what was effectively created as a joke into a much more functioning, robust blockchain. And, and that's kind of the mission that, that Elon's picked up himself to, to try and work with. So uh, it will be interesting to see if they can take it from what it originally was designed as to actually becoming much more of a real tech type stock or coin and building underlying value on it and then looking at it for you know transactions and, and networking, etc. So yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how Doge continues to develop. I saw an interesting uh, survey this morning which said that, uh, I can't remember the percentage, but a large percentage of Australians think that Elon Musk created Bitcoin. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. I think, look, there's, there's a huge amount of sort of misinformation in the space and um, certainly over the last few days where the market's been incredibly volatile. We've seen that in some of the top tier publications as well, where people don't really understand the space, um, you know, and, and certainly that's a big part of what my mission is for, for Zipmex Australia is to help people understand what they're actually investing in. You know, I, I don't think you know, certainly as a, as a stock trader, you know, generally you have research, you understand what you're putting your money and even if it's not a huge amount, you want to understand what it is. And, and from that, you form an opinion as to why you think it's a good investment. And we encourage the same sort of thing in, in this space. So, you know, a big part of what we're looking to do is help people understand what all the different coins are. Most people, you know, just think of Bitcoin. And when you speak of Bitcoin, they're actually referring to the entire cryptocurrency market. And that's where I think because Elon's been heavily invested in Bitcoin and, and then in more recent times, some of the other coins, uh, it's all gets put together as Bitcoin and Elon Musk's working on, on Doge and other blockchain technology uh, and people draw the dots and go, well, Elon's created Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's creator uh, is still actually unknown. It's, it goes under the, the premise of Satoshi. Actually, interestingly enough, there's an Aussie who's currently claiming that, that he's actually Satoshi and trying to prove that in the courts of London. So i um, be very interested to see how, how he goes with that. So you've come from an insurance background. And so since joining Zipmex, you've been learning about crypto and learning much more. What are the main things that you have learned in that time? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I think I sort of started dabbling in crypto probably six months before coming on board. And I actually started my journey in, in stocks and um, was, was using Superhero, which had come into the market and, and looking at some tech stocks. And that led me to cryptocurrency. And I've got some very good friends who were heavily involved in it. And I didn't really understand it. And, you know, I for me, as I said, investing in anything, I want to understand what I'm investing in. So yeah, I, I sort of started to really dive into it, which when Zipmex sort of opportunity came up, I thought it was a great fit. So for me, really what I've been learning about is is the underlying tech and how blockchain effectively works. And, you know, the decentralized ledgers effectively is creating a, a new form of trust. So by having a network effect across, you know, millions of computers around the world, the security of these registered transactions is, is incredible. So for me, understanding the basis of what the technology is was really important. Uh, and then looking at all the different companies and how they're different. So blockchain is a consistent sort of concept, but how are the different companies in this space doing different things? And uh, it's really fascinating that there's, I think, 7,000 odd tokens at the moment. But really, if you look at the top sort of 30 or 40 the companies and the tech they're growing and how they're looking to apply that. Everything from, you know, shipping ledgers, um, where at the moment you've got, you know, these paper folders across countries with shipping ledgers, all of that being decentralized and registered across blockchains that have instant immediate access uh, and complete trust on them, which is a company called Cargo X, which I've seen recently. So yeah. any of these sort of registers, I guess, ledgers, etc. all of these things can be put across the, the blockchain. The, the repositories of data and rep repositories of information, basically, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what they are. And um, to do that in a way where you can create significant trust across the entire network because it's constantly validated and it's stored across so many different systems that it's almost impossible to hack with the current computing levels that we have creates instant sort of verification. Um, we're seeing a few Aussie businesses do some pretty incredible stuff. I've come across one called PowerLedge 
major. You may have seen the the VB Solar Exchange ads mm. running on TV at the moment. Mm. So that's all being powered by a blockchain run by PowerLedger, where they've done a deal with VB to effectively take excess solar energy, turn it into a tokenized mechanism on the blockchain, and then you effectively trade that for your beer. And, and VB brings you out a beer, and VB are promoting being carbon neutral and working towards uh, what they're doing in that space. So all of that's being powered at the moment by blockchain, and you know, that's one of thousands of examples of where this technology is starting to take form in some real world examples and utilisation. Yeah, and I believe it in the power space as well, because power management now needs to be very complex with all the different kinds of power inputs that are happening with that. And so that is moving into the blockchain space as well, I believe. Yeah, there's there's plenty of applications. And yeah, mm. definitely, as I said, PowerLedge is probably the best one I've seen. They're Aussie-based, but I believe they're doing things across India, across the USA now as well. So that space is definitely taking off. And, you know, the other one I see a lot of innovation in Australia is actually the gaming space as well. So we spoke a little bit about, you know, Fortnite, I think last time we caught up and, mm. you know, Fortnite's the number one grossing video game of all time and it's free. You don't pay anything to play it. The only thing you can buy is an outfit, which gives you no functional value in the game. It just helps you look different. These sort of things are now starting to apply to the to the non-fungible tokens or NFTs. And I know we said we wouldn't go down rabbit holes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't we'll dive too much yep. into that. Um, but the concept of you could buy an outfit and instead of everyone buying that outfit, you could be the only person or one of 100 people to have that outfit in your game creates significantly more value. And the proof that that's your outfit being registered on a blockchain ledger that potentially you could then use across different video games, um, you can sort of see where people are looking to take this space and you know, I guess how it's revolutionising a bunch of different industries. Okay, well, I should uh, make my gold lame pantsuit a, <laughs> a blockchain NFT. Absolutely, yeah. As a replacement for currency and fiat currency, cryptocurrencies have a place because there's many places around the world, and especially in emerging markets, where they have runaway inflation. So the value of currency goes down, but people can trade and operate with cryptocurrencies. Speak to that for a moment, please. Yeah, sure, Phil. So well, I think you know, a lot of us uh, back in the old days, shall we say, before COVID <laughs> used to travel. BC. Uh, BC, yeah, that's it. You know, specifically around sort of Southeast Asia. And, and what you found in a lot of those countries was the locals wanted to be paid in US dollars. And ultimately, that was a lack of confidence in their local currency. And that was brought on by hyperinflation. So what we see in some of those emerging markets, and particularly across Africa, uh, a little bit in certain regions of Southeast Asia, is the ability for people to start growing their wealth for the first time in a generation. So we've got this emerging markets coming online for the first time through mobile phones. And a lot of them don't think they have access to the internet, but their phone is giving them that. Uh, and it's creating these opportunities where they can start purchasing cryptocurrencies, where they can start moving their money into what they consider to be a safer space than potentially what the local infrastructure sets up for. So again, you know, some of these areas of the world, unless you're a high net wealth, you don't necessarily have trust in the banking system. Um, you don't necessarily have confidence in your local currency. So now you're able to start putting some wealth together and, and slowly growing your wealth uh, in an environment that is outside of these traditional places of, of lack of trust. And what we're seeing is people looking to start building for the next generation where historically there would be, you know, money buried on, on the farm or, you know, stuffed in a mattress. They're now starting to see this opportunity to really sort of break some of the cycles and to create something for, for their next generation. 
Let's talk about the, some of the differences between some of the major coins. We won't go through too many of them, but say Bitcoin and Ethereum. What's the difference between them? Sure. Yeah. So look, Bitcoin um, was the first one that was created. And yeah, I think there's been a lot of news recently around the mining computations that it has. Really, the biggest thing with Bitcoin is its scarcity was what created the enormous value from it. But it does have a much slower processing time than Ethereum. So for instance, the Visa network, which is probably you know one of the number one payment networks worldwide, is actually actually faster at transacting than Bitcoin is. However, Ethereum is a thousand times more from a speed perspective of transactions than, than what Bitcoin is. Is that based on the algorithm? Is that to do with the algorithm? Or yeah, it is. It's also the block size. So yeah. each individual block in the blockchain that then gets distributed and the speed of which they can hold and how much data can be held in that is, is effectively what creates that difference. So what we've seen certainly over the last 12 months is this massive rise of Ethereum to be the number two coin and a lot of people really excited about it and ultimately what it's created is this huge network where an enormous number of these tokens and coins that are being launched every day are actually being launched and housed on the Ethereum network um, and Ethereum is effectively a smart contract network so you are sharing a digital contract with another party that's registered on that network so there's been some some crazy stories I read about a couple that got married and registered their their registration of marriage on the Ethereum blockchain and it's now on that blockchain forever uh, as proof that they're married and that's where they've stored that contract. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so I'd like to thank listener Oliver Scott, who's contributed a couple of questions because I told him you were, you were coming on. And he's very interested in crypto because I get a lot of listeners who want to talk about crypto, which I've been, as I said, I've been trying to avoid. So we've talked about volatility. So it's, it's a 24-hour market. That's right. It is, How yeah. does that work? So I guess it's it's decentralised and it's global. So um, that means at any time in the world, there's people online trading, there's bots that are trading on the market, there's people that have set their stop losses and limit orders. So the market never sleeps, um, which, you know, certainly when you talk about volatility can be unnerving. You know, things can change very quickly potentially whilst you're there. So it's a live market, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you mentioned algorithmic because mm. actually if you look at a chart of the price movements, you can actually see there's some support levels as well because you can see when it drops below a certain level, obviously there's someone, something, some bot even buying. Is there a lot of algorithmic uh, trading going on? Yeah, look, there, there certainly is. There's, you know, all sorts of different computations going through. So, you know, there's a huge amount of stop losses that are set. There's a lot of limit orders to purchase. And what you see sometimes when the market can drop quite steeply is, is there's, you know, a lot of individuals that were in this game quite early that hold an, an enormous amount and they can almost start the dominoes to fall. And, and, and in the smaller market cap forms, that can happen quite quick, which is what we spoke about with some of those alternate coin type markets. And what can happen is if it drops, say, 10% overnight, that can trigger a whole lot of stop losses for what the people have already set and can cause further sort of So that, that, that takes the price even further That's down. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you look at the last three or four days, you can see some very steep drops and then you can see some really 
big jumps back up quite fast as well. And, yeah. and that kind of the stop losses kick in and then people's limit orders where they've set, you know, prices to purchase that start to, to really pick up again. It's like the stock market on steroids really, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those movements are, you know, 10, 20, yep. 30%, you know, in very short periods of time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's that's exactly how I describe it. It's, it's you know, it's definitely the, the stock market's on steroids. It's a much younger market, obviously. It's a very emotional market is how I'd put yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's one, one of Oliver's questions. Right. What's the demographic? of um, people buying and selling crypto? Yeah, so um, across Australia, it's predominantly sort of 25 to 40-year-old males is the the majority of the market. Uh, however, what we are seeing is that's starting to really shift as, you know, crypto is becoming more and more mainstream and more people are trying to understand what it is. We are seeing a lot more females come into the space, which is great. And, you know, I think they're looking more doing that research we spoke about and understanding what they're investing in, you know, and doing a bit more of a deep dive into it. So we're certainly starting to see that emerge. We are seeing some older Australians start Start to come in, and, and traditionally, what we see there is a higher initial investment, and we see you know at the younger end of the scale, you know, five hundred dollar type initial investments to start coming into the space as sort of an average. Uh, and as that's starting to grow, we then see them looking to put in you know X percent of their pay, for instance, into it each week into these top tier sort of coins, and and then you know some more in the real speculation type mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Um, we start to see that emerging as well. I just wanted to point out at this because this has just come across my desk over the last couple of days. There's a scam going around where famous Australians. Have you seen that? No, uh, which one? Dick Sorry. Smith and Kylie Kwong. Yeah. It's coming out. It looks like a genuine ABC News article, mm. but it's not because they're obviously pumping something. Yep. And people have been actually putting money into it and it's just been skimmed off basically you know there are some scams around it you just got to be really careful and you want to go with a legitimate exchange absolutely yeah look that that is um i guess like any any sort of space that's involving money uh you know there there's definitely things to be wary of anyone looking to directly sell you crypto or approaching you directly is generally a a warning sign we also see you know a rise of people calling particularly older Australians, you know, pretending to be from the Telstra types, um, warning you that your computer's been hacked. You know, they then effectively get you to change your bank password whilst they're watching what you're doing, get you to sign up to an exchange when you don't know that that's what you're actually doing, you know, provide your licence, your passport, all the identity checks, and then transfer money into Bitcoin and then send it off overseas. One of the beauties of blockchain is every transaction is recorded. So we can see exactly what wallet address that went to, but obviously if it's gone to an offshore wallet, the ability for the authorities to then find the owner of that wallet is where the difficulty actually lies. So they can see exactly where it's gone and they can see anything that's come out of that wallet to another location. But once it's in some of these overseas locations, actually tracking that back to a bank account is is the problem that people have. Similar to where, you know, five, 10 years ago, people used to get scammed and money would go out through Western Union. Um, it's a similar sort of concept. So certainly anyone looking to sell you cryptocurrency directly where you're not going on and actually purchasing it is, is something to be wary of. And certainly, you know, our advice is stick to the top tier exchanges. Um, there's, there's plenty of them in Australia at the moment. They're all regulated with Austrack. You know, do your research and, and make sure that you're buying through through legitimate sources. One of the things that intrigues me about um, the whole crypto space, and it's always brought up that Bitcoin, why it's got value is because it's scarce. Okay, there might be scarcity, but where does the demand come from? Yeah. Why is there demand for this? Yeah, great question. Um, look, I think in the in the early days, it was very much speculative. And again, looking at what the underlying tech is, and, and Bitcoin was obviously the first one into the market. Uh, you know, and the US government spent a lot of time trying to crack it, <laughs> for lack of a better words, and, and hack into the network. And ultimately, after about a two-year exercise, they gave up and said the computing power 
cannot break this at the moment. And what that created then was this system of trust effectively, where you could record things on this ledger. Uh, and because of the distributed network, effectively, it was very difficult for anyone to break it, which in today's age of, you know, cyber wars and cyber attacks and all sorts of foreign government intervention, that was a really big thing. And, and that started to bring certain tech people into the space and to start going, well, I want to invest in this. And ultimately, where it really started to gain popularity was looking at you know, government fiscal policy uh, and the amount of supply of money in the system. And, you know, especially through COVID, we've seen governments printing more and more money to try and recover debt. And ultimately, what that does long term is it does start to devalue your currency. Really interesting. I was looking at this a couple of days ago with, with some of the team. And if you look at the US printing of dollars at the moment, it actually looks like an exponential crypto chart. <laughs> I think it's something close to 25% of US dollars were printed from 2020 onwards. And it's it's really rapid sort of growth. So that's going to create inflation and people are going, well, you know, if my money is going to become worth less and, you know, we're going to be paying taxes to pay that off for a long period of time, how can I potentially move that into something that isn't inflating and that is going to store its value? And, and that really is what the original premise of the Bitcoin was. And as, you know, the markets continue to move, we're seeing more and more of that. So the other side of the coin, so to speak, is energy usage, which has been coming up. And there's all this um, uh, metrics being shown on graphs all over the world that um, cryptocurrencies actually take a lot of energy usage. The carbon footprint of crypto is enormous. Is that really the case? Uh, look, it is certainly the case that, that it does use a lot of energy. I guess when you look at that, it's in comparison to what is the question mark. So certainly, you know, it's very small compared to, say, the banking system, which is, you know, managing transactions globally. It's running branches. You've got computers all over the world storing this information as well. Certain cryptocurrencies are significantly cleaner than others is what we'd say. You know, Ripple's probably a good example of one where it doesn't have this proof concept where the mining rigs are, you know, creating computations constantly and, and sort of fighting over the next Bitcoin. As the value has risen and the rewards for miners has increased, what it's created is a whole lot more people chasing the mining, which is definitely consuming more and more energy. Um, interestingly, I don't feel you know, but just before this role, I was in the energy space. So I'm very keen on looking at how we can create a greener cryptocurrency. And certainly there's some great companies, as I said, Ripple's a very good one, Algorand's another one that's very green. And certainly what we've seen through through Elon's tweets is, you know, a lot of people speculating on what is going to be the greener form of cryptocurrency. And, you know, those things starting to really run off the back of that as well. But I think all of these things are, are in perspective. Um, and what I am seeing is some really cool innovation. I think Australia really leads the way, you know, as a population in, in green energy. And what we've sort of seen is people looking at, you know, South Australia is a great example of this, where, you know, the amount of solar energy into the grid during the day actually creates negative energy prices because hmm. there's so much energy in the grid that the grid can't sustain it. You know, and I've seen people looking to create Bitcoin mining rigs that run in the really dry South Australian desert environment that come online when there's excess power in the grid. And effectively what that's doing is it's being powered directly by solar energy. And I know uh, there's people talking about minting Bitcoins, particularly that it's a green Bitcoin um, and that it's being mined sustainably. And I think that's the way that we'll start to see more and more evolution. And certainly investors globally are very interested and concerned about climate change. And I think as these cryptos evolve, uh, people that are creating a greener environment uh, will get natural more investment off the back of that. Mm. So let's talk about Zipmex. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so Zipmex, is, like we were saying at the beginning, is a digital currency exchange. 
So how does it work? What do people do to get involved with it? And um, how would you recommend someone new to the crypto space approaching it? Yeah, absolutely. Great questions. Yeah, so Zipmex uh, effectively was founded by an Australian gentleman by the name of Marcus Lim, who's our CEO. Uh, so he was previously the, the founder of OneFlare, which exited to the Fairfax Group via domain uh, and an acquisition. He's headed over to Singapore to set up a, a business regionally, and really we're focused on the Southeast Asian market. So we've had some great success in Singapore, in Thailand, and in Indonesia, uh, and effectively I've come on board to help us start to grow back in Australia effectively. So we are a digital asset exchange and we offer about 15 of the top tier crypto tokens at the moment and looking to add more on a consistent basis. But really what we're about is helping people navigate this volatility, understand what they're signing up for and understand what they're investing in. Our exchange is 24-7. You can sign up online. Uh, you can download our app and it's fairly straightforward. We verify your identity so we know who our customers are. You can then deposit your, your Australian dollars or if you have other crypto, you can deposit that into the exchange uh, and then you can start trading. So you can effectively buy any of those top tier coins. You can sell them. Um, you can trade them across the different coins as the market moves. Moves, or you can accumulate them and you can then sell them when you want to and take some profits, uh, you know, or stop some losses uh, and you can withdraw that back to your Australian bank account within 24 hours. So we are set up here, you know, to really operate in Australia. We work very closely with the Australian partners. And as we said, you know, we're, we're big believers in regulation uh, and we're working actively with government and with the industry bodies uh, around helping to shape regulation moving forward for this space. The federal government is taking uh, a great interest in this space as well and uh, because they want Australia to become a, uh, a fintech hub and as well, and a big part of this is crypto. So this is where the regulation is coming in and um, making sure that it is a well-regulated, easily understandable industry, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, there's certainly a massive opportunity for Australia here for jobs creation here and to, you know, become this financial tech hub that we're targeting that we want to be. I don't think there's many better stories than what, you know, the likes of Afterpay and Atlassian have done uh, and the amount of jobs and economic growth they've created here. And, you know, blockchain's kind of the next evolution of what we can do as a financial system. So um, I speak to plenty of Australian businesses currently operating here that have to do all of their, their capital raising offshore and who have to do a lot of uh, what they do in global markets, even though they're potentially housed here. Uh, and what that creates is ultimately people looking to, well, where is the best place to, to put these jobs? And what Zipmex has done particularly well um, in, in Thailand is we worked very closely with the security exchange uh, of Thailand to help regulate the space, to form sensible regulation that protects consumers, that helps people understand what they're doing, but also creates a, an open market, which is ultimately what we're looking to do. We believe people should be free to, to put their money in where they want and where they believe it can grow and people are smart enough to take their own risks. They should be aware of the risks, absolutely. But regulation shouldn't restrict people, for instance, who aren't high net wealth from accessing markets that they could otherwise access. You mentioned Zipmex as being giving you the ability to trade cryptocurrencies. Now, for beginners, this is not something that you'd want to jump straight in. You're not going to become sort of some <laughs> cryptocurrency trader. How should people approach the idea of trading or getting in and out of particular 
coins at any particular moment in time? Yeah, great question, Phil, and I'm, I'm really glad you raised that. Obviously, you know, we, we don't provide financial advice, but what we can talk to is what we see as some of the better traders who've been in the game for a long time and, and what they do. And I think I mentioned previously dollar cost averaging, and certainly mm-hmm. what we see is, you know, people have a set amount per week, per month that they want to invest, and they just consistently buy up the top tier products with that. So, you know, your Bitcoins, your Ethereum, um, you know, these sort of tokens, Litecoin, etc., Ripple, and, and they buy that up and they keep building their wealth there. They then use a small component of that as sort of play money, which is where they start to trade. And if you watch the market, as you said, it is incredibly volatile, which also means it's got some incredible opportunities. Um, so you can start to see certain patterns um, and you can try and speculate on what you believe that the market will do. And there are opportunities there to trade into coins and out of coins as you're seeing those patterns. Um, And what we see the best sort of people do in these and some of the people in the Doge run that, that made enormous amounts, they take that profits and they move it back to the top tiers and then they effectively are playing with house money is what they'd call it um, in some of these alternate coins. So, you know, we certainly believe the best traders use that dollar cost averaging method. Um, as an example, probably slightly out of date now with what's happened over the last week, but um, if you'd put $50 a week in your bank account from the 1st of January this year, you'd have about you know $950 and I think you'd have about 27 cents in interest at the current rates. If you'd put that into Ethereum, you'd be closer to $1,700 at the moment. Again, just pre the, the current correction. Um, even at the current correction, you'd still be ahead of what you'd be in your bank account. So we often hear people say, oh, I don't think I have enough money to invest. And, and there's this view that you need thousands of dollars to invest to make it worthwhile. But actually what we see in this space, especially because it's still quite a new market and it's emerging, is actually that dollar cost average averaging and just consistently building up your assets in there um, is how some of the best people really get started into this space. We haven't covered um, blockchain and distributed ledgers, and um, I don't think this is the space or the time to do that. But um, where would you direct listeners to find out more information so they can learn about how it works, what the nuts and bolts are behind cryptocurrencies? Yeah, sure. So look, zipmex.com.au has a, a wealth of information and we're, we're constantly looking to build um, new information based on what's happening because the market moves very quickly. Uh, but certainly the beginner guides, the 101s to crypto are on there. You know, we try to put out things on LinkedIn, on Facebook as well. So all the usual social channels uh, we're on. And then, you know, there's a plethora of information out there around, around this space. So, you know, general YouTube, there's a lot of videos there that can assist. Uh, and we're certainly looking to build more content in that space as well. Great, Nathan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. The company and our guest has contributed to the costs associated with producing this episode of Shares for Beginners. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Sulas for music production out of Garlic Breath Studio. Remember, music flows when the money don't. 